I love a good podcast, as you know, and I'm always happy to share resources for parents who are looking for creative, smart content that both entertains and offers enrichment for curious kids everywhere. So I'm happy to let you know about this awesome new show from the creators of the hit kids podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild, The Adventurous World of Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as Math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time, packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs. The series explores themes that kids like ours love, like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and more. And episodes transport kids into iconic periods in history like Pythagoras's Ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England. So cool. New episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a perfect length for those car rides, for meal times, for break times, and bedtimes. What I love about this show is that it's kind of like listening to a book on tape. The story is captivating and includes lots of problems listeners can try to solve. The voice actors are fantastic, and the math concepts are seamlessly weaved into the narrative. It's exactly the kind of show Ash would have loved a few years ago, especially during our homeschool years, because finding that perfect blend of entertaining and educating, it isn't always easy. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. What breaks my heart more is people who think their kids are broken and give that message in a subliminal way if they learn differently. And it's such a misunderstanding of the science of how people learn and what variability is in the population and what brilliance is. And so I hope people come away saying, oh, that's a different perspective. That's a new lens for me. I like that lens. Welcome to Tilt Parenting, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm Debbie Reber, and this week my guest is Dewey Rossetti. I'm especially excited to bring you this interview because way back in 2003, as a result of her experiences with her own differently wired daughter, Dewey helped found a nonprofit called Parents Education Network, or PEN which I ended up stumbling upon a few years later as a struggling parent looking for support and resources. PEN, which has now been folded into the Children's Health Council, aimed to educate and empower parents, teachers, and communities to help kids with learning differences to succeed, and was an early and meaningful influence in my own parenting journey. Dewey is also the author of a new book, Parenting Bright Kids Who Struggle in School, a strengths-based approach to helping your child thrive and succeed, which follows her journey with her daughter and provides a new filter to look at learning differences. In our conversation, we'll be talking about that new filter, the science of individuality, based on the work of researcher Todd Rose, and how truly transformational it can be, not just for the child, but for the whole family when we change our language and understanding about learning differences and come to understand that there is no such thing as average. And now I'll get to my conversation with Dewey. Hello, Dewey. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Debbie. I'm excited to get into this conversation with you. We were just discussing before I hit record how similar our journeys are. And 
And even I just have to say before I introduce you or ask you to tell us more of your story that you were one of the first resources that I found, Pen, what you created when I had a really little differently wired kid and I had no clue what to do or where to turn. So I'm so excited to just hear your story and share the resources you've created and your new book with my community. Well, thank you so much for that. And even though Penn is not operating under that name anymore, it's now under Children's Health Council, which is an organization that we all greatly respect. And it's a much bigger organization that can support it better. Um, I have to say, it's just thrilling to hear that you came across us all those years ago. It makes me feel good all over again. (laughs) Awesome. Well, it was a godsend. But let's go back. I'd love for you to share some of your personal story. Because like me, uh, it has informed really so much of what you've done in your world. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you. Uh, So um, my story is actually written down because I could hardly write about this field without talking about the child who pulled me into it. Uh, Very much like you and a lot of us who work in this field now started with our children. But I tell the story in the first two chapters in order to let parents understand that I know fully all of the ups and downs and roller coaster of how you find out about your child being being neurodiverse. And I'm going to start to practice using those words instead of learning disabled, which I think is such a bad word uh, because it doesn't mean anything. And it certainly isn't accurate. But my child came home from her second week in kindergarten and said she couldn't sound it out. And that was the clue. And I had her in that school for four more years because they thought they could help her, uh, help her learn to read. But when we took her out in the third grade, her personality had changed dramatically. And this was, she's 30, uh, she'll be 30 in August. So this was a while back, 25 years ago. And I spent the rest of my, well, I changed my direction then because I had been uh, a business person and I changed and shepherded her through until we found the right school. And then I started Penn with a group of other concerned parents whose kids had learning differences. And uh, we found as a common problem that we really didn't believe that any of the descriptors of kids with learning differences described them. First of all, the term learning disabled is so inaccurate, uh, especially for kids like yours, Jimmy. <laughs> you know, the gifted, and I have one of those too, uh, the gifted kid, uh, twice exceptional. And, and then there was my daughter who was so dyslexic that she couldn't learn to read uh, even through four years of school. And when I got her to the Charles Armstrong School, which was the right place for her, that's when everything changed in my world and my whole focus of what I was interested in changed. And uh, it was a wonderful school. And I, I not only became impassioned with the topic of how different kids learn and how people misunderstand them so much, but also she, of course, thrived uh, because she got what she needed and all the kids there did. And they had all failed once before in another school and gotten there whenever you could get them there. I got my daughter there in the fourth grade and she graduated in the eighth. uh, So she was there for five years. And then with, with parents from there, we created what we talked about at the time as life after 
Charles Armstrong School because it was so nice to be able to talk to other parents with honesty and to find, you know, we were surrounded by a community of people who understood and got it, what our kids were like and how bright they could be and how bright they were, a lot of them. And we were constantly getting good science uh, information in order to explain our kids and and they came out understanding who they were. So we created Penn and that that was in 2002 and uh, it went on until 2016 when it became part of the Children's Health Council. Now I come back around and when I stopped working with Penn, I found myself with more left in me about uh, helping more people because I just thought the message was so important for parents to get that these are not broken kids. And that's when I wrote my book. Hmm. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that is when. My book was in the works for a long time. Right. <laughs> it takes forever. Right? <laughs> I had no idea how long it took to yes. write a book or what it took. But it just came out in May, and it's called Parenting Bright Kids Who Struggle in School. And that's my story. That's awesome. Yeah, I just love, I mean, and I get to talk to people like you on this podcast a lot, people who created what they needed, and then it just changes the trajectory of their life in the best possible way. And so Penn stood for Parent Education Network. Is that correct? Yes, Yeah. exactly. And I think, you know... Like I said, I think Ash was probably like three or something. And I was just scouring the internet and I stumbled upon, which it was a listserv. And I just started reading and and, I, and it wasn't exclusively for parents of kids who were differently wired. Is that right? Well, it was when we first started because we were in the business of helping our own kids and then expanded it. And we basically never we never tried to be specific. So we said, if you use what we're talking about, a strength-based approach, and you focus on what kids can do instead of what they can't do, and you help them prop them up with where their weak areas are with their strength, well, that works for everybody. And so we tried to keep a much broader view of who we were helping. And the other thing is at the time, very early on, People were into diagnoses and what, how can we fix what's there? And we always tried to change that language from the very beginning and said, deal with what you have in the child and let the child deal with who he is. And um, we changed the conversation as the heads of the private school said here in San Francisco, because that's who we mostly started with as advisors. Uh, they said we changed the conversation on the lands over the landscape of the schools in the whole Bay Area and even beyond. Eventually, Penn did, not me, but Penn. And in that, we tried to give everybody the perspective of how it is helpful for any kid to have our approach. Period. Yeah, and that that is a nice segue into the book because I didn't know when I started reading your book that you collaborated with Todd Rose and took the ideas behind his work and brought it into the parenting world in this way. Todd Rose, I haven't had him on the show. I don't even know if I've talked about him much in other episodes, but he is a Harvard researcher. He had written a book called The End of Average, Unlocking Our Potential by Embracing What Makes Us Different, which this book came on my radar a few months ago, actually with Ned Johnson, who co-wrote the book, The Self-Driven Child, was the one who's like, 
have you seen this guy? You got to watch his TED talk. You got to check him out. And I, I love his perspective. So I was so excited to see that there's so much of his work and perspective that you're bringing to parenting. So can you talk actually even about how you connected with him and why the work he was doing resonated with you and why you wanted to bring it to parents? Yes. So I love the story. Actually, I first heard about Todd when he was still 20 or so at a conference where someone was speaking for us. It was actually Sam Goldstein, and he lived in Utah where Todd did. And he talked about this kid as a case study and how bright he was. And he was on his way to Harvard and uh, he had been, you know, an outcast in his school and he had such bad ADHD. Sam's specialty is building resilience in kids. But we were struck by the story of this kid. And that was Todd Rose. And about 10 years later, Catherine Ellison came up on our radar and wanted to speak because she had written a book called The Square Peg. And she brought up Todd Rose and she said she went and listened to him in his lecture on neuroscience at Harvard. And we all resonated because we had heard about him when he was young. And we got to him and had him as a speaker at Penn. And then by then it was 10 years later and he was already into his PhD and he He started out talking about how his younger life was uh, so difficult for him. And then he dropped out of school at 18, and he found this way to get his GED. And then his brilliance started to show at Weaver University, and he gave a paper in psychology on, I think it was probably tickling at uh, this idea of Uh, the science of the individual. And he started on it, I think, all those years ago, because he was searching for an answer for why he, as a young person, was such a misfit, and how he could help other people understand that if you look at people as individuals instead of the average, uh, and that was kind of his theme. And he found a person called Kurt Fisher, who was his mentor at Harvard. And they did the original research together. And somewhere along the line, when we found him as a speaker, we had him speak to our board and and gave us the language, which is the three concepts of his science of the individual. Because what he told us, which I so believed and was so happy that an intellectual had put a name to it, or an academic, and and then he, he was working on his research to prove that there is no such thing as average and uh, individualized education or personalized education was the only way to go. And what is actually wrong with our education system that it isn't really perfect for anyone unless they're in that perfect profile, which very few people are, of what the school considers uh, the way to learn. So he gave me permission. I kept saying to him after we had worked together for a long time, I said to him, I've got to write a book called Parenting the Square Peg. And he said, Let's let's write it about, uh, I think you should write my theories for parents because they are never going to know about this if they don't pick up my other book. And they, that's not a parent book necessarily. We'll be right back after this quick break. This year, I've been working on becoming more attuned to my body. And so I'm starting to really recognize how periodic spikes in anxiety or disruptions to my routines can seriously throw my whole system off. 
And as I've been traveling a ton this past month, which is both disruptive and somewhat stressful, I'm especially glad that I have the extra support of Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement from Ritual with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Symbiotic Plus provides fuel to the cells that make up the gut lining to support a healthy gut barrier. And it comes in this very cool minty delayed release capsule, which was specifically designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract for delivery to the colon. The bonus is that the capsules don't need to be refrigerated, so I can easily bring them with me in my carry-on. On a personal level, I love that Ritual is committed to sustainability. They're a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable long-term to not only think about their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for limited time at ritual.com slash tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash tilt for 25% off. So in our house these days, Darren and I have been working together to up-level our nutrition and healthy lifestyle habits. Maybe it's our age, our changing bodies, my shifting hormones, whatever the reason, I'm here for it. And that's why I'm loving Green Chef, a meal company that makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. Green Chef offers gut-friendly recipes each week and is committed to providing a holistic approach to nutrition by offering meals that contribute to the overall well-being of your entire body. Darren and I are particularly big fans of their nutrient-dense, science-backed gut and brain health recipes, developed in partnership with registered dietitians that improve digestion, reduce bloat, and also boost energy and immunity. This week's favorites, turkey, black bean, and sweet potato chili, and the Baja chicken bowls with mango salsa. I mean, don't those sound delicious? But if that's not your thing, you can choose from a variety of customized meals to suit your lifestyles with preferences like keto, vegan, vegetarian, fast and fit, Mediterranean, gluten-free, and protein-packed. Whatever you choose, you'll get farm-fresh ingredients, organic whole fruits and veggies, and premium proteins, along with chef-crafted, nutritionist-approved recipes delivered straight to your door. Go to greenchef.com slash 60tilt and use code 60tilt to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's 60% off plus 20% off your next two months when you use the code 60TILT at greenchef.com slash 60TILT. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. And just, just so I complete my thought, I want to make sure I say that there are three concepts here that are the basis of the science of the individual. And the first one is that every person, certainly then every child and student, but every person in the world has a jagged profile. doesn't matter how good they are at some of their edges. They have some edges that are not as high as other edges. So there's a jaggedness. It might not be as broad as a jaggedness of a kid who's twice exceptional, which means a very high IQ or whatever term you want to use for that, conceptual thinking. And then some uh, neurological things that the way their brain works that causes them to not show how intelligent they are right off the bat. And the second one is that context works with that, which means that there are various contexts in which your strengths will be stronger than they they might be innate strength, like you might be born with an ability to be more alert. However, you might have a very slow 
processing speed, even though you might see things very quickly. You might not be able to explain them very quickly. And that is going to not show, it's not going to allow how your brain fires and how alert and aware you are. So what people do is they automatically, when they realize this, and sometimes it's very unconscious on their part, is they find the best context for that. Maybe the best way to help your processing speed is to be in a room where you're not distracted, for example. That's a context concept. And then the third is pathways. And there's always more than one pathway to a conclusion or to a solution or to a successful way of doing something. So those are the three principles. And once you get them and understand them and start to apply them to your child, it makes all you can't go back to this old way of thinking that, you know, there's 22.3% of people are different. And uh, he's broken this down so that we have ways of looking at everybody's profile. And what you find uh, is just by definition, everyone has strengths. And you don't, you don't compare them to other people. You compare them to themselves. What are they good at? And what are, where are their lower talents so that you can use their strengths to prop up their talents? So I think he's just done so much for the field. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I'm sure, you know, listeners of this show are in full agreement too. I mean, we're, we're very much on the same page here. And, and I really love that concept of pathways and the way you talk about that. I'm always saying there's no one way this parenting needs to look and it's just so freeing, right? But it, it takes some programming on our part to, to really just question that. Well, it's the mindset piece. Mm -hmm. You know, in my book, I talk about Carol Dweck and the mindset. And that's because a lot of us are programmed to, and he explains this a lot, Todd, in his work now, that we're all programmed to believe this other thing, that the only way to look at your success is to look at yourself as as compared to other people, an average, and how where you are in the average of anything you're looking at. And so parents just buy into, and I was one of them, and maybe you were too, that if your child, as soon as you hear hear the word dyslexic, you think, I mean, people think it's a death sentence in terms of career. And that's why mindset is so important, that the parental mindset is one of a growth mindset, which is what you have is just talent to be practiced and built on and used. It is not the end. It's the beginning of where your success is going to start. Yeah, I think about growth mindset and that was something I always was trying to explain to Asher when we were homeschooling, we had a chart, you know, like we had the chart of what a growth mindset looks like up on the wall, but it's just such a good reminder that this actually needs to apply to us too as parents. Like we need to embrace this growth mindset too. It's not just something our kids need to work on. I almost think it needs to start there. And I also think it needs to start with teachers because so many teachers, especially in the private schools, used to think, I think it's getting better, but used to think that if the kid had an an LD, and a lot of parents think that, a learning difference, that they were going to drag the class down. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And there's so much research too about expectations or ideas about who, who gets to be gifted and who isn't and what that looks like. So yeah, absolutely. Right. And you can have a kid who has a different profile or a so different social profile, and you might not look for the brilliance, Mm -hmm. which is often there. I'd love to spend just a minute talking about language. You use the term that Todd uses as well, variability. And, you know, we know there's still so much messy language around learning differences. This is something, you know, I use the term differently wired. I get asked all the time, why do I use that? Am I against labels? You know, I know there are still many organizations out there who very publicly and visibly use labels that pathologize or language that pathologizes. And I just would love to know a little bit more about where where do you stand on on labels? What work do you think we need to do to to shift things? Well, my book, I think, is kind of my statement of where we need to start to shift things because I think the language, the pathology of the language, and it is not going away yet. And this business of diagnosing a kid with dyslexia is such a misunderstanding and a very misleading, uh, you know, it's all the language of medicine. You know, it it comes from the deficit uh, perspective. And that's one of the big things I think about Todd's breakthrough is his language is so much better, which is a jagged profile applies to everyone. And variability is the norm, meaning we're supposed to be different. And there is a continuum, and it goes from very different to not very different. And actually, that doesn't really matter because there is no such thing as average. And what that applies to is different from an average. Well, what is an average? What is normal? You know, I don't know if you know John Mooney, but he has a book out now Mm -hmm. that's called Normal Sucks (laughs) because he grew up. Uh, as a very different kind of thinker, another brilliant guy who writes about uh, his own theories. And we had him as a speaker a lot. So I think we need to use people like this who live the life. Todd is one of them who lived the life of being misunderstood, how bright he is, and how creative a thinker and how he can problem solve for us and introduce new concepts. And John Mooney is another one. We need those people out speaking, which is what we did as much as we could at Penn. We need to make people more aware of them. And we need to change the language. And the language uh, that Todd uses, jagged profile, you know, what is your best context for giving a presentation, for example? I mean, something as simple as that. Do you like to give presentations? Yes. I like to give them to about 30 people in a small room, in a classroom. That's what I'm used to. And I can really connect with them and get my points across. I don't like so much an auditorium of 500, for example. I'm just saying, and that look at how much more helpful that is to someone who's listening to you than it would be to say, I'm not, good, I'm not a good speaker. I'm, in fact, disabled in the speaking department, you know, public speaking. I am not good at that. And then the third is the pathway. You know, I choose to, do, to go towards where I want to go uh, in my life. And specialize in this or that uh, through this different pathway. This is the way I want to get there, not through the normal channels. And you start using these words, and they're extremely 
non-judgmental. And they're not pathology words. They're just words that give you a much better idea of what the person is like. Hmm. So good. So good. I want to ask you a question that's very current to what's happening in the world right now. As we're recording this, states in the U.S. are releasing their plans for going back to school in this time of COVID and schools have been forced to teach differently. There's remote learning. I feel like this is an opportunity where systems that we've just accepted for so long are starting to be questioned, not just by parents of differently wired kids, but all parents. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that, or if you're seeing opportunities here as well in shifting the way education and differently wired kids intersect. We'll be right back after this quick break. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. But I know that raising complex kids can be messy and lonely. And just when we think we figured it out, something comes up that boots us right back to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. That's why I've poured everything into creating a way for parents like us navigating complex parenting journeys to join together and chart a path that feels positive, hopeful, and doable. It's the brand new Differently Wired Club experience. In the club, you'll get personal support from me and other seasoned parent coaches, six live calls every month where you can connect and get your personal questions answered, the opportunity to learn directly from authors and experts like I have on this show, monthly themes for getting specific and tactical, an exclusive private podcast feed, and the best, most generous community of parents. Seriously, these folks show up for themselves and each other, and that right there is really everything. Because it's a daily reminder that we're not alone. Our kids aren't broken, and we have totally got this. The recently rebooted Differently Wired Club is on a brand new platform with its very own iOS and Android app. It is such a great space. However you learn, whatever your style, no matter the ages, genders, and neurodivergent profile of your children, the Differently Wired Club can help you cultivate the positive shifts you're hoping for. Join us today by going to tiltparenting.com slash club. That's tiltparenting.com slash club. I hope to see you on the inside. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. That's a really good question, and I have been asked that question on several different webinars and and so forth. And I'll tell you, I don't have a good answer for it. Always, when things are this dramatically different for such a prolonged time, I think there are opportunities. Absolutely. And maybe some people are starting some homeschooling that will turn into a curriculum that can be enlarged and scaled 
to a bigger classroom because a lot of people are desperate to get their kids connecting, even in someone's home. I just heard the other day about a parent, a school here, a little school, who is um, parents are rotating in their homes and trying to have a class every day. And there are 30 kids in a class. And uh, the woman who was telling me is part of the group. And she said, you know, where who has 30 a room big enough in their house? Not everyone. And so it has to be done in a way that doesn't leave any people out. Because I'll tell you, it, not that you can generalize about kids that much, but an awful lot of people and kids cannot learn online. And the parents are going crazy, as we all know. And the teachers are working double time to try and figure out a new way of delivering their product, which is the lessons and the lesson plans. And I was a teacher for a year. And I'll tell you, I can't even imagine trying to figure out how to do that. And the hours are all spent in frustration by the kid, by the parents, by the teachers, and by the administrators trying to solve the distribution problem of getting the product out instead the education out instead of where where the energy belongs which is on the child and then you have these children who need i mean i just heard a story the other day about a little guy who was doing so well at the Charles Armstrong school and all of a sudden with his homeschooling he can you know he's in tears every day and he's regressing because he doesn't have the support of the teachers that he's come to uh, rely on and the support of connecting with his friends who at a school like that the, it's a community of kids who learn differently and so he gets a lot of support from that and online at home he doesn't so I'm hoping that because it's disruption right yeah it's needed disruption and maybe uh, it'll be productive in the end I could only hope that some good forms uh, and more acceptance of personalized education and ways of doing personalized education will come out of it. Uh, but I can't, you know, I'm not in a position to have those ideas at the moment. First of all, I'm not talking at, like I used to when I was part of Penn. I used to talk to school administrators all the time and teachers. Well, I don't even know what their issues are now because they can't, they don't have a minute to talk to anyone. You can't get anybody on the phone because they're too busy trying to do what I was just talking about. So it's a moment of disruption. It's big disruption. And maybe as often happens, something good will come out of that and personalized education will, somebody will come up with how to do it on a big, bigger scale. Yeah. I was on a call yesterday with some people in my community and we were just saying, we need, we need a leader to emerge to kind of show us what this yes. new, uh, education landscape could look like because I agree there there is a lot of opportunity right now but we need a vision well I think a leader will I mean in our in our field leaders do emerge and it has to be somebody who well I'm not just thinking you know what about Saul Khan uh when I say that in that way what I mean is I think of him all the time as having such an innovative idea of how to present ideas online and he's been so successful and he, a lot of people love what he does. Mm -hmm. I mean, is he the type of thinker who needs to lead the disruption? I don't know who yeah. is the kind of leader. Uh, I think Todd is working on it probably quietly. I haven't talked to him a while to figure out what his particular 
projects are now, but I know he gets funded by various thought leaders who are trying to make change out of disruption. And so we'll see what comes of it. I hope I hope a leader emerges and can change the landscape. That would be a big positive out of all this. Absolutely. Well, before we say goodbye, I just want to ask you if there's one thing that you want kind of your biggest hope for what parents take away from your book or how they are changed through reading your book, what would that be? It really is about attitude, my book. I think there. Uh, what I would like people to take away from it is this is not a handicap. It is only a handicap if your child, uh, and I'm not saying there aren't some very serious cases of autism, for example, that where a child has a very hard time uh, self-actualizing. Some children uh, can't even speak. That is a different, and I'm not talking about those kids. I my heart is with every parent, but uh, that gives me a lot more room. As you said earlier, it gives you a lot of freedom as a parent to say, "I don't have to follow what all these other parents are doing. I'm going to do what my child needs," and then. It's very empowering for the child. So I believe that uh, that is my message. And I hope that comes through. That's great. It definitely came through for me. And I, I really encourage listeners to check out Dewey's book. It's Parenting Bright Kids Who Struggle in School. And is there a place if listeners want to learn more about you or your book, where should they go? Well, I have a website uh, that's called Dewey Rossetti 2020 at gmail.com. And then uh, there's a bio on Amazon. Perfect. Well, listeners, I'll have links to that in the show notes page. And I'm also going to, we talked about a lot of different thought leaders and other books, and I'll include all of those. So if it went too quickly and you're like, oh, wait, what was that book? Or who, who is that person? I'll have that all included as well. And Dewey, I just want to thank you so much. This was such a great conversation. Congratulations on the book. And I'm so glad that our paths have crossed in this way. Oh, I am too. And I thank you back. And thank you to all all people who are listeners. You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. For the show notes for this episode, visit tiltparenting.com slash podcast and search for this conversation. If you like what you heard on today's episode, I would be grateful if you could take a minute to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or a review. Thank you so much for helping us stay visible so people who would benefit from the show can easily find it. If you want to support the show and help me cover the cost of production, please consider joining my Patreon campaign. To support the show, just visit patreon.com slash tilt Lastly, if you aren't already part of the online community at Tilt, I invite you to sign up at TiltParenting.com on the box in the bottom where it says join the revolution. Every Thursday, I send out a short email with a quick note from me, a link to that week's podcast episode, and links to five stories from the news that week that are relevant to parents like us. Again, you can sign up and learn more about Tilt at www.TiltParenting.com. 
When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.